welcome to the Built for the Trades podcast. This is Dan Dowdy, your host, and I'm excited today because I have an amazing guest on. I have Brett Barnhart from Barnhart Excavating out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Brett is not only an amazing man, but he also is building this Path to Success program for the next generation of the trades that are coming up. And so, Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. I'm excited to be here. Uh, excited about what Built for the Trades is doing for the industry. So, uh, enjoy following you and seeing everything that you're doing for the trades. Thanks brother. Thanks brother. Yeah. And just a reminder for the audience, built for the trades is here to, to, uh, bring on people, share information, resources to help grow your leadership. Cause you know, you'll hear it in today's podcast, as you start to grow yourself and start to serve the people around you, you're going to grow in your faith. You're going to grow in your family and you're going to grow in your business. And that's really what, what we're wanting to accomplish here. And so if you like what you hear, please subscribe. And if you know somebody else that you think would like this information, please share it with them. We would love to get the message out and share uh, what it is that we're, we're talking about on this podcast. And then also one more thing, please leave a review so we can, because you know, we read all the reviews and it helps guide our show for the future. So that's very important. So let's dive right in, Brett. So you have been in business since 2002, but you're actually fourth generation in the excavating business. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my family, uh, started, my great grandpa started in 1936, uh, meals and slips, uh, obviously around the Tulsa area, big oil boom. So, um, three generations, well, I'd say two generations completely in the oil and gas boom which you would know around Tulsa. Uh, mm-hmm. and then coming out of that in the eighties, it crunched and my dad had to go into more of a commercial side of things. So we're growing up working for the family. Um, that's just what we did. Um, everybody, uh, I was with my dad. I would skip school field trips to go to work with my dad. I loved it and, um, worked with my grandpa. Uh, my grandpa sold out. So, uh, kind of the way it went, great grandpa started, he sold out to my grandfather, my grandfather sold out to a developer. Uh, and then my dad started and he is still doing it. Um, he's what I would consider, uh, you know, semi-retired, enjoying life, worked hard all of his life. Uh, and then obviously I started back in 2002. So the interesting thing about our family is, um, they don't pass the business down. You can buy them, you can start your own. Um, we still have a relationship. There's areas that we compete, but we really don't compete. Um, but the name kind of continues on because it's always been the Barnhart name. So that is getting passed down, but the business don't get passed down. So I started back in 2002, uh, graduated high school, knew I didn't want to go to college. Um, was working for my dad, 10 bucks an hour, had 1500 bucks and, my dad and I were talking about it. He said, if you ever want to do something, you probably just need to do it on your own. And I said, okay. And he says, uh, well, we need an RPL backhoe. So a rental purchase order. Um, and we were digging for plumbers all the time then that's what he done. So that's all I knew. Um, RPO tobacco for six months to get a down payment. Cause I only had 1500 bucks. I bought a 1983 truck and an old trailer from him to pull it. And I went to work $55 an hour digging ditches. Oh, kind of wow. Yeah. So anyways, um, and life went on. He told me, he said, I'll, I'll co-sign with you, uh, six months and then, uh, six months we'll get a note, but 
in this next six months of this RPO, you better make sure you want to do this. Cause once you sign it, it's yours. I'm not taking it back. I'm not owning it. Nothing. So <laughs> away I went kind of funny. I laugh about it. Our interest rates are going up and, uh, I was paying 12 to 13% interest then. So like, this is not high interest to me. Um, <laughs> so anyways, carry on. Um, just started digging ditches. I was working for plumbers and I started counting my hours and I'm like, I- I'm no different than an hourly individual. So I- I've got to expand this. We, the family didn't do commercial. They didn't do federal. They didn't do anything like that. And we do all those things now. So I, I just said, I, I got to get, I've got to expand out of this. The family didn't do utilities. So yeah. Uh, started learning that, started doing utilities, started getting certifications, got a nine-year federal contract, and just started building the business. And uh, so now it's been almost 20 years. And I always tell people, I remember the first eight years. There's something about that first eight years. You know, mm-hmm. E-Myth and some of these books say that you can do it in four to five years. But for some reason, the first eight years really sets with me of how hard it was. And I made it after eight years. And I feel like I had finally made it. I wasn't there, but I had made it to like, I was flying across the ocean and I finally landed on the island. Now I still have to build a lot, but I'm on that island now. So um, anyways, and, and one guy started building through employees, learning through employees, didn't know anything about it. Um, My family didn't talk to you about how to lead people or anything like that. And I made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes early on. So yeah. um, anyways, it's been an exciting journey. I have a wonderful wife of 17 years. I have a 10-year-old little boy and a eight-year-old, eight-year-old little girl. So um, just try to enjoy life, enjoy business, enjoy the men. I love the men and the women that work in the business. That's probably one of the things that everybody says, why do you get up every morning? And being in the trades, you probably know that there's a lot of things that hit you every day. Mm-hmm. And if you let those negative things, you'll just think business sucks. But at the end of the day, you're making an impact with people. And mm-hmm. if you weren't willing to deal with that, then you wouldn't be able to make the impact with the people. That's one thing they have to come to work. We all have to work and make money. So um, I love what I do. I love the industry. I love this. Uh, just sharing with the other trades. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that, Brett. I, I I have to just kind of pause and rewind a little bit because there's some questions I have. Yeah. Uh, first one. I, first, I just want to acknowledge your is it your great grandpa starting yep. with with mules and slips. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of people listening have no idea what you're talking about, but yep. you talk about just working hard, right? Yep. And he saw the transition to the first dozer. Yep. Yep. And so, kind of interesting. We move, you know, we got a 30, a 30 ton off-road truck. So say we're moving 20 yards per load, 23 yards, 19, however you want to calc it. He's moving one yard per load behind a team of mules. So, you know, I knew my great grandfather would actually live next door, but I, I wish today I could sit down and have a round table with him. Obviously he's gone. Um, But to think about the hard work that he had to do, he would get up. And this was through my grandfather telling me he'd get up around three in the morning and he'd have to go by the feed store. So we go by and get fuel. He had to get feed. And then he had to take water for his mules um, and then bring them home, take care of them. I mean, there was constant maintenance on that. And then uh, there was a guy that come over drum, right? Uh, Oklahoma is oh, about 45 minutes West of Tulsa. And that's a big old boom area as well. And, 
uh, a gentleman come over with dozers and um, started doing work around the Kiefer area, which is where my family's from, just, just right outside of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And my great grandpa went home and told my grandma, great grandma, he said, uh, I've got to go back and buy this guy out. If I don't go buy this guy out, he's going to put me out of business. So he went back and bought this guy out and bought those dozers because he knew those mules and slips and moving dirt weren't going to work. So, um, did that. And then talking to my grandpa, like I think about maintenance stuff, like it's easy for me to sit here today and complain about the little things I dealt with. But back then the track systems weren't what they are today. Mm -hmm. So, uh, grandpa said they were running tracks off of a dozer at least once a week. And it's a lot of work to put a track back on a dozer. And, you know, it's just easy to take for granted where we're at today and not think about what those men and women had to do back then to do what they do. It's a lot of work. I know. I know. Yeah. I, mean, I just, I just couldn't, couldn't even imagine. And I, and I think the the harder the work, the more appreciating, the more that you appreciate things, right? Though. And, uh, and so I, I had to stop there and, and just talk about that, but I do have a question and I'm hoping there's some kind of story behind this, but when I'm talking to, to my audience, which is just trades men and women out there, um, you know, generational businesses are so common, right? And it's part of what I do here, built for the trades is I work with the next, you know, I work as people are passing on their business to the next generation, developing the leadership and developing the structure and the management and stuff like that. When did it go south in the family business to where, and I, I say south, it's just different, right? I actually love this idea to where each generation had to start their own business and earn it. But was there a certain generation that it did go south where maybe like your great grandpa to your grandpa just could not get along and finally it just decided, you know what, you have to start your own or is that always by design the way y'all are doing it? You know, I, I, I can't answer that confidently. Not because I'd never asked that question. And, and actually my grandpa passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but if he was here today, I would ask him. So what I would assume is my great grandpa, grandfather had, um, five boys. Yeah. And actually my great uncle, which would be my grandpa's brother. He had a business as well. So if I had to make assumptions, my great grandfather was put in the position, position of, do I give it to which son do I give it to? The other boys didn't do anything. So my grandpa bought him out. It's never really been talked about. You know, at first, when I first started my business selfishly, I'll say this very selfishly. I used to think about how big our business would be if they would just pass it down. Hmm. And, and all the struggles I went through with cash flow, cash flow was the hardest thing. Uh, I wouldn't have went through if that business would have been given down because yeah, I don't know if you ever hear the old saying there's old money in businesses that old money that that family earned. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't have built the business the way I built it if it would have been given to me because I wouldn't have had to go through the hard things. I probably wouldn't have the systems and processes that I have in my business because it would have just been generating cash flow. And out of those tough times, you build systems and processes to help understand the business, to understand the cash flow. Because if you, if you never get in a cash flow issue, you don't build a system and process to measure when you're going to get into that again. So you really have to go through that. And I, I do think about this. I'm, I'm obviously a man of faith, but the Bible says, give your kids, kids an inheritance. And, and every time you say this, and I don't want to take the Bible out of context in this situation, but 
I do have to think about that because everybody says, well, I need to earn all this wealth and I need to pass this wealth down to the family. And I've always thought about that with us because say that does get handed down. I don't know what I'll get. Uh, mm. I don't ask. I don't care. But have you ever thought like generational wealth biblically? Obviously, there were some very rich people or wealthy people in the Bible, but did they give that down or not? A lot of people didn't have that. It wasn't a major, major deal unless you were a king. But the, the inheritance that I would tell you that my family give me was core values and how you treat people. Mm. Nobody's ever went bankrupt. 20 years, I've never been in a lawsuit. And hard work ethics, being fair, treating people. And if you instill those things in your kids, that inheritance of, of being a good person, being a good person, business person, being honest, charging people what you should each day, then that generational wealth will happen naturally. Right. So I, I just think about that. Cause every time you ask somebody like give the kids, I even heard an ad today on the radio and it was a, it was a financial guy and he was talking about passing that, passing your wealth down. And he even plugged that Bible verse. And I no, thought, really. What would it be like if we instilled those core values in our families of this is how you treat people. And that's how they know our family do we do business. In fact, this week we're doing a job for a guy that I used to work on his ranch when I was a kid. Nice. He knows me from when I was a kid. So like my dad's not going to do it. He don't want to mess with it. So there's no question. He hires us because he knows how my dad is. Mm -hmm. I go out and he sees that in me. So then he trusts us, gives us the work. Right. So, but that all comes back from how my dad raised me and how I treat people. So when I was, I'll just tell you this one little story. When I was probably 12, I was running a backhoe when I was eight. I was 12. My dad sent me up about a mile up the road from the house to build the driveway, go up to build this driveway, build it. It looks good. And, and I don't want to say that arrogantly, but it looked good. I know what looks good. I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> so I could do that stuff. I had to fix our driveway all the time. So I get this money and, and I don't remember what it was. Let's just say a hundred bucks. Yeah. I'm drive. I drove the backhoe down the road. I would just road it around because you didn't have to have a license. So I'm driving home. I am like, I'm, I'm rich. These people, <laughs> me a lot of money, and I didn't know what to charge them. They just handed me the money. So I get home, yeah, walk in the house. My dad said, how'd it go? I said, good. And he said, did they pay you? And I said, yeah. And he said, how much? And I pull it out and he said, get in the truck. We're going back up there. They paid you too much. We're giving half of that back. So we got in the truck, drove back up there and gave half that money back. So the funny thing is the family that I did that for is now fixing to help me on a project. And what most people would charge 20 to 30,000 for, they're doing it for 10,000. Not, and I'm not saying that they did it because they owe us, but he's helping me out in my situation. Wow. So that, that inheritance of that inheritance. And I still think about that today. Mm. And my dad, my dad always used to tell me, he said, people will try to get you to not finish a job because they don't want to pay you to finish it. And he said, when somebody drives by that job and they know that Barnhart excavating did that job, do you think in their head, they're going to say, I bet that customer didn't pay him to finish. Mm. No, in their head, they're going to say, they didn't finish that job. Well, I can't believe they did that. And my dad said, there's going to be days where you have to stay and work for free because your name is on the line. Mm. 
I still think about those things today, all those little things that they instilled. So how are you leaving your kids, kids an inheritance, inheritance of core values, inheritance of how you do business, how you treat people and being fair through life. Wow, man. I mean, it's, uh, and money is so, is so fleeting, right? But having a, a good name is better than great riches. And I think it's, Going back to that, the core values are the foundation of everything you do. And I was looking, just kind of looking through your website and just and just preparing for this this interview. I saw your core values and it really stood out, you know, right below your story. And it was it was generational excellence, no regrets, financial stability, and straightforward communication. So let's just touch on those just a little bit. We we've talked a little bit about generational excellence. But, you know, like the no regrets or financial stability or straightforward communication, touch on one of those and kind of just elaborate a little more on, on why that's one of your values. Uh, no regrets. Let's use that one. That one probably gets used most in our business. So um, so I, I want to go back to core values. Core values, uh, say you have a vision or a mission for your business. We exist to do this. That's the highway mm-hmm. and the destination, the path that you're going and then I was told this way that the, the core values are the speed limit signs. You can speed if you want, but you may get caught, but you need those speed limit signs to keep you within about Cause if I didn't have them, I'd be doing a hundred. <laughs> I'm willing to go six or eight over for the risk. So um, anyways, that's how I see. Core I like values. So let's, let's talk about no regrets. Um, so a mistake I made, if you're early in business, do this now get, and, and I think, I'm pretty sure you work through all this with people, right? Dan helped build core values. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do this for probably 10 years. So I made a mistake. So do this now, get somebody, get Dan and walk through core values, because I believe that core values, your, your, your team members will remember your core values more than they will remember your mission. I guarantee you, especially if you live it. So no mm-hmm. regrets. Um, the way I was taught is integrity, respect, the regular ones that you, you have, don't make that your core value. That should be instilled in you naturally. So Mm -hmm. when you say a core value, you shouldn't be saying that means that you don't have integrity and your core values making you have integrity. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you should have integrity. So let's throw that one out. So that's how created that. And no regrets for me. One of those things is like, I, at the end of my life, you always hear this. If, if, we were at a funeral or we, at, we were at your funeral. What would people say about you? And I think, well, okay, well, I don't want to have ingret- regrets about what they say about me. So I didn't know regrets. Um, hmm. Where no regrets comes to play in our business is um, I was trying to think of a decision um, where we divided our decision by that core value because that one gets used all the time. It gets used in firing. It gets used in hiring. It gets used in customers. And and I, I do remember this time that we had a lady. I went and looked at this big bridge for her and, and uh, we go over there. I look at it. I give her a proposal to do this big bridge. It was, it was expensive, but it needed to, she needed to do it this way. So I give her this quote and she gets pissed at me. And <laughs> Uh, this was right after I had my core values. And she mm-hmm. said, there's got to be a cheaper way to do this. And I said, well, I, I'm sure you could, there, there's a cheaper way to do it, but that's not the right way to do it. That's not going to give you generational excellence. Yeah. For the next generation, that bridge ain't going to be there. The next big rain. I mean, I'm talking like a 20 foot deep Creek. 
and she wants yeah. to throw a 36 inch pipe in there. So, oh, so she's like pissed at me and I'm like, well, I'm just giving you a quote for your job. And she's tearing me a new one. And, and I said, <laughs> I said, okay, ma'am, I, I just want to, I just want to say this. And this was hard for me at first. This was very hard for me. Cause I don't want to say no to people. I want every job. And I said, you know, the more I think about this, the more I think that this project doesn't align with our core values. And she said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, obviously one of us are going to have to have regrets. I'm going to have to have regrets that I just gave you something to get your money in my pocket, knowing that it's not going to last generational excellence. It's not going to last financially. It's not going to be stable for you in the future. So this is not just core values for us. This is for our customers, our team and everybody. Wow. And then now I'm going to be very straightforward with you. And, um, she said, okay, so what's that mean? And I said, I don't think I'm the right contractor for you. And I said, as a matter of fact, I think you need to find somebody else. And she said, so you're just done with me? And I said, yes, based on my core values, I'm done with you. Oh, man. That's been years ago. And I can't, there's multiple times that we've had to make that decision. So yeah. it, it, it really aligns you with who you are and helps you to stay with who you, cause you're your own business. You're not, you're not everybody else's. And, and I think you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but like you need to be the buyer with your customers, not the salesman. So if you just go sell to them, you're selling them anything, right? If you're a plumber, you're just giving them the cheapest toilet out there. If you're an electrician, it's just the cheapest thing. Well, that may not be the right thing for them. So do you just want to sell it knowing that it's not right? Or do you want to give them the product they need? And sometimes that comes at a more, more, you know, more expense. And the thing is, Early on, before I had those core values, there's times I felt the way I felt that with her. And I didn't say no because I didn't have that road sign to tell me that I was getting out of the speed that I should be. And I had regrets because I did that job. Hmm. We hire somebody we know they're not going to last. Get rid of them today. No regrets. And that's one thing I asked my general superintendent, Justin. We're talking about an individual. Are you going to have regrets if you keep him? Are you going to have regrets if you get rid of him? And that helps us make the decision. It's just facts. That's powerful, man. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, let's, let's shift gears a little bit here. So um, in, in our pre-talk, we were talking about the biggest pain point that people are experiencing the trades right now. And uh, I want to dive into this, um, this path to success program that you're building. But, but just right before you get into that, when you talk about the, the biggest pain point, um, we were talking about just getting the next generation into the trades, right? And finding and getting quality people in place. And you had made a comment about mindset. I want you to share with the audience because this is a great leadership uh, approach. And uh, do you recall what we we're talking about there? Yeah, uh, essentially complaining and and trying to get people and not having people, correct? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah so um, I, I just been thinking a lot. And, and maybe you're out there and you're listening to this and, and, and I think about this when you call somebody, no matter what industry they're in, Hey, Dan, how are you? Good, good, good. How's things going for you? Great. I'm busy. Oh yeah. 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 But I can't find any help. There's nobody out there to help. And then we go into the spill about how the government's doing this or, um, you know, how they're getting money here. They're doing this and all the problems around it. Well, None of those things I can change. And to be honest with you, I, I, I'm just as guilty as that 
of that as anybody and just thinking through it. And I've been in this 20 years and, and people ask me today, are you struggling to find help? And my reply is I've struggled to find help for 20 years. It's just a little bit worse. It's hmm. just, it's just over 20 years. I struggled 20 years ago when there was tons of people and high unemployment rate, I struggled to find people. Okay. So then I start thinking about, okay, well, what's the issue within our industry and thinking through that. And I have some guys in our business that we're not taking care of. I, I've got one guy right now that essentially, I would say he almost give us an ultimatum that says, Hey, I have an opportunity to go over here and grow and I love it here and I want to be here, but I need to know what my path to success looks like. Mm -hmm. So he sets me down, say, say we're sitting down and talking about this. He says, what does it look like? Well, I don't know. Just go to work, like be a labor hand, be an apprentice, whatever, whatever you're going to be, just be that and then work here for a while and we'll see where it goes. That's about how the conversations go. Yeah. Even here, even here. So, um, then I say, okay, well, what can I do to help him? Well, I can tell him, Hey, stay here for four years. You'll be a foreman. He wants to be a foreman mm -hmm. a crew. And I can say, well, just stay here four years. Well, at four years, if I don't have a proven process and he's just working, then I haven't taught him to be that foreman. So I said, okay, the way I think, and I, I don't know if this is a visionary or what, but I think about the destination and then I back build mm -hmm. back to where we're at today and then build up to that. So then there's accountability inside the business to get him to that position, right? So I can build this nice system that says, if you do this, do this, do this, do this, then you'll be this. Okay. But then where does the accountability hit that our foremans now have to bring that guy up as well? Right. Mm -hmm. So they got to be a constant instead of just being a foreman. Now you're, you're being a teacher. You're teaching a guy all the time. And that's the way I see this. So what I've started doing is essentially listing out, describing the positions and then listing out the requirements, the years, the safety training. Like if we were to take a guy, what is the ideal time that, that he needs to be a ground tech, which is a labor I'm calling a ground tech because everybody's yeah. like, well, I'm just a labor. So let's take a ground tech. How many years does he need to do that? And then how important is his role? His, his role is very important, but we don't make it important. Like that foreman can't do what he, what he does without that ground tech. He can't mm. do what he does without that operator. So how many years is he going to be there? How many, what all is this, what all safety training? So general safety training, PPE, all these different things that he needs to have in that position. So if you think about it this way, and if you went to college, you you'll say I didn't go. So, uh, but I was talking about going and you go and you sit down with the counselor and they say, okay, well, um, you want to have a bachelor's in business management, then you need to get all your basic classes done first. And then you can start all these other classes. You'll have an associates at this many years. And then if you do it right and do it on schedule, you'll have your back, your business management degree at four years. And here's all the places you can go to work and you can make $70,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I've got a path to success. Okay. So if I do this, 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 if I get up every morning and go to school, then I, then I, then I get to here 
Mm-hmm. I graduate. I get a piece of paper, which I'm not disregarding that. Uh, that we we need education, and then you go get a job. So you've now landed in that position. Most of the people that even we have in the business that's done that, they don't even use what they learn there because every business is different. Mm. But it still got them that to be able to do that. Okay, well, we need a proven process to walk them through this. So they're going to walk through being a ground tech. They're going to walk through being an operator. They're going to walk through being a foreman. And that's probably, it's not finished yet. I'm thinking around four years from start to finish. Now, I'm also going to build a questionnaire that when we're interviewing in our business so if we're interviewing you today dan and you say you're an operator Mm -hmm. then we're going to bring you in and say okay well you you may be an operator but let's just really see if you're an operator so are you a level one level two level three operator so if i said hey dan uh, i need you to dig a ditch let's let's use plumbing you got a plumbing background and i got a hundred feet i got one percent slope how many feet of fall do we or rise do we have on that line Mm -hmm. Okay, you should be able to tell me one foot, one foot at a hundred, one percent. Okay. So that's that when you understand grades, you understand drawings. Okay, now we're getting up into like a level three operator where he can he knows percentages, he can assist that foreman. Whereas you just may be an operator and you're saying, No, I don't, I don't know all that. I can run equipment, but I don't know that. Okay, well, then that's where we need to start you. So then we get a pay scale up here. So straightforward communication. So you're going to come in here and and the problem I'm having too, is all of our guys talk in the field and they talk about pay. Mm -hmm. And as it, as employers, you're like, well, you can't talk about that. Well, department of labor, they can talk about anything they want. I'm sorry. We're going to talk (laughs) about it. So let's just put it all out there. I even thought about putting it on the back of their shirts. Like this is where I'm at. This is the pay class. It's what the military does. So essentially building that out so that now, when that guy that I told you about earlier comes into me and he says, Hey, I, I really want to, I dream of being a foreman one day. I want to mm-hmm. take it to the next level. I want to build that career. How much does a foreman make? 70 to 90,000 a year. Okay. That's where I want to be. Okay. Well, here's this book. Here's what you got to do. I'm here to assist you. I'll pay for all the safety training. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Your success is up to you. Okay. So now, what I'm thinking through, then all the kickback. Okay. Now I've got to hold my foreman's accountable and other operators accountable, but we're bringing people through this pipeline. And, and so that that's the path to success for us. And, and the reason, the big reason for this is everybody's complaining about not having help. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're in our industry, you would agree that our, our people are dying away. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is learning. So if, if, if you had a five-man crew, now you got a two-man crew, that's two less people that you don't have coming up the ranks. Mm-hmm. So now I've got to have a system that I can take and get on ABC's workforce committee. Or uh, I already go to Oklahoma State University to their project management program and speak to those uh, project managers, which a lot of them go to be a project manager at a GC. But here's the thing. Don't disregard who you are in the trade as a subcontractor or what you're doing, because my whole goal in that is to equip those young guys when they go to work for a GC, that they have perspective of somebody they're going to work with every day. Funny thing is we get interns out of it every time they come here and they work 
but if I can help them to see what we deal with every day, then when they go out to work with those GCs, they're going to be better for us. So I can go and I can take this plan and I can present it and do a presentation and say, Hey, if you've ever wondered what the path to success looks like in the construction industry at Barnhart Excavating, here it is. Mm. We're ready for you. Come on, bring it. Like, like maybe college is not for you. Maybe you want to learn a trade. And I think, I think what we have to do as an industry is we have to quit complaining about the shortage of staff and we got to come up with solutions. We're America. We're the United States. We make it through everything. Mm. And, I, and complaining to me has never fixed anything for me. I don't know if this will work, but I know it's better than what I got now because I ain't got nothing. So <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with it. And I'm sure it's going to make an impact with somebody. And it's going to impact my business right now because I got guys that are ready for it. And I got a hard day set for September 15th get, or October 15th of accountability to have it done by that day. So, uh, I'm excited about it. It's a lot of work and there's a lot, even as a business owner, I don't say this very often, but like you start what if in it to death and it mm -hmm. shuts you down mm -hmm. and at some point you just got to commit. You got to yeah. say, I don't know what I don't know. Um, I, it, it's a working document and I talked to the graphic designer yesterday and basically we're building the book so that we can change the pages. Cause I know it's going to change as we start working through this, <laughs> but it's better than what I'm dealing with every day. And it's better than complaining. Yeah. I, man, this is, this is great information, Brett. Now I think so many times how, how we do it stops actually what we're going to do. Right. And you don't really get, you don't get the clear vision until you take the first step yep. and take the second step. And then you're right. Things start to change. So that's, Hopefully that's encouraging for the audience listening is, you know, what if you don't know where to start, just, yeah, you can start by naming the program and uh, building an outline, you know, a couple of different steps that you want to do because you're referring to positions in your excavation business, but somebody else may be in the HVAC business or somebody else may be in, a, in the, in the mechanic world in the trades. Right. And so it, the process is the same. It may just sound a little different, you know, and I even can envision you at a job fair with a banner behind you that says path to success. And it says, here's where you start. And here's the pay rate. Here's the next step. Here's the pay rate. Here's the next step. Here's the pay rate. Here's the next step. Here's the pay rate. Right. So they're seeing this path all the way from high school. I can get in the trades and I can start making this much and I can make this much in two years and this much in four years. That's the kind of transparency that, that the next generation wants to see. And they also need that consistent coaching and mentoring towards that and training, right? Training, coaching, and mentoring towards that goal. I think that's the other piece that a lot of people forget about is it's not a set it and forget it type of thing. Because because uh, in two, you know, in this day and age, one thing we have is options, right? One thing the next generation has is options. And so people are always going to be knocking on their door, especially if they're good, to go to go to work for them or to do, do another career. Uh, or whatever it is, and you need this why. Like you need to be able to sit down with this person and say, "Hey, remember why we're doing what we're doing." Even when the going gets tough, this is your goal. This is how it's going to benefit you. This is what you want for yourself and your family. And I think that's the sticking point that will keep people working through the hard times. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, when we do these interviews, everybody wants to know, like, what does it look like? for me to grow. And I've been thinking a lot about, cause we're all, I, I would say everybody in our industries 
exchanging people. We're not growing people. We're exchanging people. Um, mm. And I talk to people and they're like, well, what do you have for me? What does growth look like? And if I was doing it correctly, then I should be equipping our people to go into an interview. So let's just think about generational excellence, equipping our people to go into an interview and say, whatever down the road offers one of my guys a dollar more an hour, they're going to entertain it because mm -hmm. they want to make more money. Uh, but a lot of the younger generation is going to say, okay, well, what does growth look like? They want to see, they want to see where they're going. There's something about the next generation. And, and I get sick of even saying, well, millennials are horrible. Well, guess what? That's who's your next customer, your next employee, team member, whatever you want to call it. That's, that's them. So you better figure them out and quit complaining about it. So they want to know that. Okay. So if I have a guy here, he gets offered a dollar, $2 more an hour to go over here. He mm -hmm. goes and he interviews and I have him on a path to success. And he sits down with this company and he says, okay, you're going to pay me $2 an hour more. What does it look like for me to become a foreman or a journeyman or a master plumber or whatever that is in your, in your business? Well, we don't have that. Just come here and make two more dollars an hour as an apprentice. Okay, well, now what I've equipped that guy with is a decision. Mm. Worth $2 an hour more today yeah. versus I know where I can be in two more years. Now, some guys are going to they're gonna make that decision, and I can't change that for them if money's all that matters. But when they come back to me and they tell me that they're quitting or they tell Justin they're quitting, and I can have a conversation because I don't, I don't mind that. I have a conversation with them. And actually I try to make sure when they leave, they're going to a good place is, okay, does this fit with your goals that you've told me here that you've worked for, for so long? Are they going to achieve those goals for you? It's okay if you leave, but you need to be making the right decision. And is this the right decision? I think sometimes you got to call that out. And I always tell them, this is not to get you to stay. This is to help you make sure that you don't live with regrets because you went there. If you want to leave here, I'll help you find another place. I told our mechanic two months ago. So if you want to leave, I'll, I'll call 10 people today and help you get a job. Mm. But you need to get in the right place because your family's at risk. Where, where we lead as men and our families, our family, our, where we lead, our families follow, right? So you mm. don't need to be jumping around. You need to find a place to stay a little bit. Because once I start seeing your resume and you've got a place every two years, guess what? You're leaving in two years. So anyways, I, I think you got to give them something to think about. And we don't have that right now. The only thing we think about in our industry is a dollar, two dollars, three dollars more an hour. And we just keep this continuing cycle of exchanging people and not growing people. Hmm. So, yeah, that's true. That is so true. So. Brett, and, and kind of closing this down, um, what's what's one step that our audience can take towards building their own their own uh, path to success, or one thing that you would recommend uh, for them for them to do right now? Um, I think when you get frustrated, you really got to dig in and you got to drill down to the real issue. Uh, I think about the book uh, QBQ and the question behind the question, like what's the real deal here? Is this me? Is this them? And then I, the other thing I would say is a lot of these things can get brought to light by being in a mastermind group or, or a, a peer group, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. 
of you're bringing these things to the table and they're going to reveal these things. And, and I think Dan, you have some mastermind groups too, specifically to the industry. And just like yesterday, I was on my call. Um, and I need all these people. I have no idea how to do this. I've never done this. There's nothing out there like this. So I bring it up on the call. And after that call, I now have a graphics designer that's really good. And then I have accountability to finish it because we have these things and we think about them, we dream about them, but we don't ever finish it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you in the past, I've talked about things like this in an all staff meeting, but it never come to fruition. And I think you have to be very careful of that, that your team doesn't see you talking about things and you never bring it to light. Mm -hmm. And even as the owner, the COO, CEO, we hold our team accountable. So how are you getting held accountable? And if you're not getting held accountable, then the team's going to see that. And they're going to say, well, why is he holding me accountable if he's not getting held accountable? So get in a core group of guys, get a coach. I've had a coach for nine years. Get a coach that's going to push you, that's going to, that, that is going to coach you one-on-one to see and know what you deal with every day and will push you to do these things. You need to be pushed. Mm. That's good stuff. Brett, um, so much good stuff in here. I really don't even know where to unpack it, but I, I can't agree with you more. Uh, being around people who who help to make you better, hold you accountable, who love you and trust you and respect you um, goes a long ways, you know, in any in life in general. But doing that with other tradesmen and women is incredible. And um, so if anybody wants to reach out to you and uh, just kind of pick your brain a little bit and, or learn more about what you're doing at Barnhart Excavating, is there a, a social platform that you're on or, or somewhere that you can point them to? Um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, um, but what I will do is uh, I'll get you a calendar link that you can put in the show notes or wherever you put that. They can click yeah. that and schedule a time to uh, just talk and I learn every day. I love to talk to other people in our industry and out of conversation, I learn something new every time. It doesn't matter how many years I've been in it. Somebody else is done with something different, especially young guys. They have a whole different way of looking at things. So I'll get you that link. You can jump on that link and, and schedule a time. We'll jump on zoom or just jump on a call and talk about business. Man, that's a, a really great offer, Brett. Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we'll definitely get that calendar link and drop it into the show notes and on the post for this podcast when it launches. Um, I just want to remind the audience that if you like what you hear, please share this with somebody that you know and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review because the reviews help to make the show better and it helps pushing us forward. And if you're interested in joining a mastermind group, maybe just come in and check it out. We have those here at Built for the Trades. Um, they're trade specific to the owners, to the managers, and just um, and all the above. People that, that that really want to put the best foot forward and make the trades a better place. That's what the Bill for the Trades community is for. So thank you again, Brett, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Dan. All right. We all have an amazing day, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.